Podcast, episode 24, the podcast that looks at tech under the hood. I'm your host, Owen, and joining me today is my co-host, John. How are you today, man? Hello, coming to you from New York. <clears throat> oh, rattly throat. Ooh. Rattly throat? Well, rattly it can't throat. be as bad as my sickness last week. Well, that was terrible. I basically had to do the whole episode on my own. Yeah, I was like editing it. It was like, oh my God, I sound deathly ill. <laughs> Poor Owen, are you but feeling the good better news now? Is, yeah, it was like one of those colds that hits you hard and fast overnight, and then you have some NyQuil, and it's gone. <laughs> but you don't buy the NyQuil in um, in Amsterdam. No. John, that's <laughs> the funny thing, is John and I went, I was like, one morning, it's like, John, I have to go to Walgreens. This is in New York. He's like, what? And then I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got to buy some uh, some NyQuil. <laughs> he looked at me like, what? But uh, I'm like, are you okay? pharmacy here. Yeah, if you go to a pharmacy here, they just laugh at you if you say you want cold medicine. They're like, ha, grow up, go home. So I'm glad I bought some NyQuil in the US. <laughs> anyway, how's New York? New York's good. Weather is amazing, but there's some tropical ah. storm coming in. So I suspect that Ooh. we're going to I love to storms. De- yeah, it's the, I can smell the, the air smells like we're, we've got rain coming. It smells like storm. Yeah, but it's like really far away, but it still really right. smells like storm. So you can tell it's a pretty big storm. Uh, I heard that you're on a Twitter break. I am. Can you <laughs> so believe it? Actually, someone wrote in to me uh, and I didn't tell you. And now I'm telling you oh. for the first time. And they wrote Uh-oh. in and they said, you should ask Owen about his Twitter break and that time that he tweeted and then deleted his tweet once people yeah, started razzing him for it <laughs> i made i made one tweet and then i deleted it so you're not really on a twitter break then are you so it's, well I lo- i'm logged out on everywhere and then like yesterday i was like oh, i'll just make a quick tweet and i did it from the do you know the um i forgot to sign out on iphone you know how you can bring up the share sheet and click twitter regardless of if you have the app you can still use that and so i just mindlessly did it and then i was like Oh my god! <laughs> what, does that, to be on what does that say about your addiction? It says that I literally think in tweets. It's Whoa, terrible. That's, that's why I'm not on Twitter. I feel great. <laughs> isn't it interesting? I just look. We talked about this a lot, and I'll probably go back. But the cool thing is, is uh, like at the moment I'm trying to break the habit. Like whenever I look at my phone, I have nothing to look at it right now. There's yep. nothing. No. Like, so then I, you I have read to the either news. think, read, or talk. Yeah. And so, well, sometimes I just sit there. It's great. Like, you know, you don't need to do a thing constantly. So it's cool. I'm yeah. enjoying it so far. We'll see how long it lasts. Well, it was really hard during that Google event. I won't lie. So I wrote a blog post instead. Can you believe it? That's awesome. And far more productive, I bet. Yeah. Well, it's more interesting than five tweets. And more staying power, too. Mm-hmm. So that was, that's uh, my experiment. We'll see how long it lasts. I'm I sure. will tell you that the... It, there's like a four week period straight of just jonesing for Twitter, but then jonesing for Twitter. Yeah, well, because it's it's your go to procrastination <laughs> it is a drug. tool. It is yeah. a drug. So you have to like retrain your bra- brain to procrastinate back to your thoughts, which are great things to th- that's interesting to see when you can think like when you see your thoughts again. Yeah, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot these were thoughts, but I was <laughs> crowding my mind with so many other silly things that I other forgot people's thoughts. to think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's so far it's good i i'll kind of report back i think i think it's interesting like you say it well like i said it was a drug because there's that really good blog post uh by somebody who used to be an interaction designer saying like everything about twitter and facebook is designed to feel like a slot machine like it doesn't matter if there's nothing new when you pull they just inject something into your feed that's old so you get a reward like every time you refresh you get something. It doesn't matter what. And that's like your brain is like, oh, oh, information. You just lost an hour looking at Twitter, but hey, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting. It, well, you but, can extensiate your thinking, right? Like I, to me, it's yeah. all about just like being way more conscious of my thoughts. Yeah. Why I'm thinking these things, what I need to think about and forcing myself to think. And that's really hard. It is. Well, yeah, it's like that's... I think this is one of the things that perceivably in society separates what we call intellectual people from non, and I'm doing air quotes here, intellectual people. Personally, <laughs> I think that there's a difference between smarts and, and intellect. I think smarts is just yeah. processing power and intellect is your ability to 
form interesting new thoughts and and think and like have imagination and stuff like that and so you know i think everybody can think if they're taught to and if they remember to and if they don't have too much external stimulus but we live in this world now with so much external stimulus that we've forgotten to think about thinking and like that's crazy well, the crazy thing is it also sneaks in with apps and stuff. It also sneaks in into kind of places you don't expect, right? So you're using Snapchat to send your friends a couple of messages and then, you know, they've got Snapchat news now, right? Like it's right there in your feed. You can't get oh away God. from from that. So it's terrible. I think it's disgusting. It drives me crazy. But anyway, this is besides the point. We should talk about all the things. So... Big week, actually. It feels like uh, probably the biggest piece of news. Well, actually, while than- we're, oh, I was going to say while we're still on the topic of Twitter, who's not going to buy Twitter? Who's not going to buy Twitter? Yeah, who isn't going to buy Twitter? Well, it seems like everybody. Actually. Yeah, it seems like they might be having some trouble finding someone to buy them. So the rumor is that they want to be bought by the next Q3 result or whatever, so that their valuation isn't lowered too much. Right, which is pretty interesting in itself. But uh, did you see? Well, today Google pulled out and well, Disney. Yeah, reportedly. Well, it's reportedly, yeah. But that's not good if it's true. Yeah, like, it looks like they're down. They only leave Salesforce. They're on a straight line trajectory down. They're not as bad as they were when they were in May. That was their lowest stock price, which was fourteen dollars on the. Wow, that's head. cheap. Yeah. Um. Well, their IPO price was. IPO price was $41. Their highest stock price that they ever had was $69. Just didn't quite wow. hit 70. And then basically since January 2014, which was the peak of their, they IPO'd in November 2013. And then wow. so November 8th, 2013, they IPO'd at $41. They then climbed to $69 um, nice. By January 3rd that year. So basically two months took them. People were, went and then they literally have never even come close to it was. It's just been a straight. It's yeah, been it's a been bad, steadied, right? Yeah, they managed to get it back up at one point to $53 mid uh, 2014, it looks like. Was that when they launched the ad platform? I don't know. I don't, I don't remember, know. but it feels about that. And then literally since then, it's just been straight down. So isn't it pretty crazy that nobody wants them? Well, the only, like, here's the deal. Like, Apple should buy Twitter for $50 and incorporate it into iMessage, and it can be a feature on on, on iMessage. But, like, the thing is, you could, the only thing you're doing is buying the users and Twitter is such a mess of its community that like it doesn't even like who wants Twitter? Why would you want to buy Twitter? Really? Who wants I, to deal know, with Twitter? I was just thinking like what if just nobody wants Twitter? You know who wants Twitter? Jack Dorsey wants Twitter. It could die, right? Like somebody buys them to salvage parts and that's it. It's well, possible. I guess the be- the a private equity firm should they should get financing and go private and then just get out of the market. Right. Like the best thing that yeah. they can do really is buy themselves back. Right. Yeah, it's true. Kind of like Dell. Was it Dell that yeah, Dell yeah, went back prior, Dell. right? Yeah. Yeah. Now they're making like wild computers that literally wouldn't have flown before. So Yeah. So if and Jack Dorsey's probably a fine, you know, CEO, but Well the problem is he's steering a ship that has to please the market, like we've talked about a lot, right? Wall Street doesn't rationally look at twitter's valuation like it, it the only question wall street has is do you have a billion users yet basically <laughs> and that's the that's the yardstick that twitter measures it measures itself against and it's i mean it's its own fault to be fair <laughs> they always wanted to be as big as facebook and they just can't like it's not a network that's as big as facebook and that's just okay it's, it's not just that it's like so you have a billion users to like, does that mean that you just have a bigger audience so you can run more adverts? Well, I don't think that, like, the Twitter community, can't, like, I don't know. I just, they're not, not, not in good, not in good shape, but, oh well. Yeah, but that's okay. So, 
uh, the big thing now that we can move away from Twitter is that the FBI apparently moved to another sinking company. Yeah, let's let's talk about Yahoo. Um, the FBI. There's a report in Reuters this week, which is kind of a bit of a bombshell, but also not surprising. Reportedly asked Yahoo to build a secret surveillance tool that could search all emails for them and did it willingly. And the security team at Yahoo didn't know. And then they found out by accident and reported it. And then Marissa Mayer said, no, I, I approved it. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so this this just like bro- the news broke out of in the middle of nowhere in the, during the Google event, actually, which was terrible, I think, uh, given they were announcing a thing that will talk about more that's very related to privacy but so this is the first time we've heard about company mandated mass surveillance though i think like if they built the system themselves that's pretty and pretty heavy so i was thinking about this because i've had to deal with a lot of these um government requests in my life um and some of them are like really hard things to do like the things that they ask you to do they're like you can just tell someone that didn't know anything about technology went in a room and was like we want to know this thing so just tell the company this is what we want to know and they'll figure out how to do it and you're like are you fucking kidding me i got this monolithic php app over here i got a message queue that goes through my master database if i try and query it that way it's the whole thing's gonna follow are you like you're just like come on like and but you can't go back to the government and be like oh sorry we can't actually fulfill your request because our technology is too shit and our product will stop running if like we do this thing so like i mean i don't know like early days of do was pretty hard to do a lot of the government stuff because we hadn't thought about that stuff so we hadn't built anything to help us make it easier to comply with those requests and then over time we built tooling that didn't scan anything or do anything but gave us just tools internally to manage the flow of what different governments wanted. And don't forget that it's not just the U S government that you get requests from. It's a lot of governments. Now I, I think our tooling was definitely like more around, um, internal support and like how the flow of information flowed through the support to the, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. to, to from us to the government. But cause like, also, for the safety of our users, some of the ways that they wanted you to transfer shit to them, they were just like, what the fuck? Like, there's no way that, like, you want us to, you want us to do that? Like, come on, get out of here. There's no way. Um, so. But that's the difference, though, between this and that, right? <laughs> no, so I the don't, Yahoo but, tool is supposed to be mass searching of all email yeah, inboxes. If you're, if you're, if you have a small engineering team and you get yeah, who doesn't know? well but if okay comparatively trying to keep up with google or like wherever they were at the time sure. that this was done which was probably done like the conversations yeah the conversations we're probably having in 2000 were starting to happen in 2013 2014 which is when i noticed government stuff started to ramp up and if i if i was them there is a chance and i don't know what requests they were getting i don't know what they were doing but there is a chance that i'd be like okay have an engineering team build us an internal tool that allows us to like input this thing and search this thing and in 10 seconds get a report back that we can give to the government yeah well then what's wrong with that other than the uh, fact that someone can get access to that tool to use it, but then like if you're well, the government good had to, direct access to this, right? That no, was the whole, they didn't say a, that. They just said that they built tooling to search emails, all emails across Yahoo with a single tool, right. and it was built for the government. I mean, it implies a lot, right? We don't know, but but, but what I just said it says the exact same thing, right? I built a tool to allow me to comply with the government that allows me to search specific strings across all email. It's I, mean, really interesting I might even discussion. go so far as to say, hey, if you send me, if you give me your warrant and I use AI and do optimal OCR on it and then 
I'll even allow the computer to make the decision as to whether or not you're allowed to search that thing and then automatically just do it and give you the output and not even be involved. Like someone needs to build this shit because this the problem actually with the whole surveillance stuff is there are too many humans involved and there's too much of it that's left up to interpretation of the people who are like some of the stuff where you they would like they it's I don't want to go to jail so i really can't say very much but sometimes you're just like i see why you think this is this thing based on the thing that you read but also it's a hundred percent not that and so let's let's read this quote from the from the article this is the first case to surface of a u.s internet company willingly agreeing to an intelligence agency's request to search all arriving messages in real time and examine stored messages as well as scanning a small amount of accounts in real time. That's pretty heavy. I mean, that's, I think that's, that's completely pretty not right? true either. How do you know that? Oh, you mean it's not the first case? Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm fairly sure. I'm, I don't. Uh, well, it's interesting because to hear even like if you look at the responses from the co- different companies, like Google says, if we had received a request like this, we would have sued before we would have agreed to it. Apple said the same, and Yahoo said we're a law-abiding company. Yeah, that's I, all they that's said. the thing. It's like a request, a request like what? Like, okay, if you're a cloud provider and the government it requests, just says this, that they requested real-time yeah, scanning yeah. Okay. capabilities. So of if you're all a cloud provider. Mail, if you're Amazon, if you're Google, if you're Rackspace, if you're Azure, if you're any cloud provider, if the government acquires a search warrant that says that they are allowed to look at the traffic going across an IP address, you have to give them a stream of the traffic across that IP address. I don't know if that's the same as all inboxes, though. That's, like, I think, well, what, I think if that, what if different. that IP address was running a mail server? Well, yeah, that's a pretty broad request, and I think that you can you can uh, what's you the can't word fight for back it? go back against that, that stuff. Like, there's so many things you can't. If, like, if it is a valid search warrant issued by a judge, isn't it? That is interesting completely constitutional. That both Alphabet and Microsoft said they never received a request like that. Though. Like, that's, it's, but that's it's just interesting. That's like the thing is. They can say that because they can also say, well, a request like what? Now, if you say, have you ever done a like, you know, like if you got super technical about it. But the thing is, these are very like everyone's talking about super abstract things. So it's it's really easy to say, oh, yeah, we've never like mass surveilled on our customers. Well, no one's ever mass surveilled on their customers. No, just most of them. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's just it's just very interesting to kind of hear this first report come out i'm sure like a lot of it is weasel wording and i'm sure that google has a very similar program i mean if you look at the early nsa leaks from from the snowden uh files they actually said you know back in back in those early files they said we have networks inside google that grab data and if you're uh, ship a, them to a the company NSA. scale that has to deal with governments and you haven't written internal tooling to deal with the massive amount of government requests you get for different things be it child porn be it missing children be it um terrorism be it you know whatever right like there are so many jurisdictions there are so many different types of court orders and many of them are valid you know uh you know a a a VM hosted on a server in a state that it also has a customer in a state and also the businesses in the state and the droplets in the state. I mean, who knows right. what can like, you know, like then that state jurisdiction probably has jurisdiction over everything involved in that whole chain of things. Right. And this is what, what makes it so complicated and so difficult. So if you're a company at scale, you've got more than two or 300,000 customers, 400,000 customers, and you haven't written internal tooling to deal with the amount of government requests that you get, then you're literally like you should, your shareholder should fire you. (laughs) My follow-up question is though, do you think it's okay? I don't think that kind of behavior is okay even if it's going on that's that's really the the core of this is if yahoo did do this and if it exists everywhere that doesn't make it okay we need we need robo lawyers or something (laughs) no seriously it shouldn't be happening in a secret court either that's i don't even care what happens all i want to know is that whatever the output of that conversation in a secret court or in a not secret court all I want to know is that, that, you. 
that output can be properly assessed. And right. that's the problem. That's, that is actually where the problem lies. If you get a national security uh, order or warrant, you can't even tell your company's counsel about it. You can't yeah, even go yeah. ask for help from a lawyer. You right. just have to figure it out. Like, yeah, that's, it's that's insane, pretty intense, right? You can't take it to someone and say, is, am I even allowed to do this? You just kind of sort of like, no, cause they can't know about it. And, or you push back on it and you say, okay, we want to speak to our counsel. So I want to be able to speak to counsel about this. And then that's a whole back and forth. Humans should be removed from the process. Humans can go in the room and have the, have the output of of search warrant or signal intelligence or whatever it is you know have that created fine but then that should be fed into a machine and said okay based on all the case law and all constitution and everything that we've seen before this is enforceable or you know this company should be able to have their counsel look at it or there shouldn't be a gag order on this or whatever. Like the one thing that just came out from Whisper Systems, I think that's what they're called, Whisper Systems. Yeah, Whisper Systems. Yeah, yeah, from Signal. What do they make? The Signal app. Yeah, Signal. They make Signal. They just got a grand jury subpoena to ask for a whole bunch of information, which they didn't even have anyway. But they fought back and said well, we want to be able to tell people that you gave us this. And like that, that's the thing. Like who cares what happens in the secret courtroom? In fact, it makes a ton of sense that things happen in secret courtrooms because I would prefer that like as things were going on, the people who like the criminals who are chasing, who there are valid criminals that we are chasing, can't find out that we're chasing them. But you shouldn't be. I think the key is it never comes out, right? Right. Like it should be like, it's not like, you know, the general counsel for a cloud provider or an email provider or something like that is going and like emailing the terrorists and telling them that like, it's just like, you know, it just gets a, the amount of, of checks and balances put in place to try and keep this stuff like secret and whatever has just gotten illogical. Like it just doesn't, a lot of it doesn't make any sense and there's better ways to do it. And so look, you, you know, people can say what they want about Yahoo and that's fine. And and I think but but the only caution I will throw to the wind is it's easy to put a clickbait headline out that says, oh, Yahoo built a tool that looks at emails. Well, to comply with government orders, who cares? Right. Like that's you 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 sort of should build internal tooling to help. You know, it's the same way you build a support system. It's the same like now you, you want to fight someone, fight the government, not Yahoo. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to to watch. I think I think a lot more is going to come out of the, about this, but it's kind of crazy that Yahoo's security team like quit over this basically. And I, I don't know, the story is kind of like. Well, I, yeah, more, I would imagine that Yahoo's security team was probably like, "Are you kidding me? Well, were, like, we should get the lawyers the dark, involved yeah. and fight back on this and like all this stuff." But look, this is of I can tell you, there's at what you you know. Juggling all the priorities that you have in a business at scale of, of, I mean, I don't even, I don't even know what it's like to be at the top of a company as big as Yahoo. Like you still, I think, you do I think have the thing to, is, I there's think always going to be Yahoo. Yahoo has had like their behavior is what makes this so suspicious. Like if you look at, they got hacked, right? By a state sponsored actor. 500 million accounts leaked and Marissa Mayer decided to cover it up rather than notify the users for two years. Like I think their behavior on a company level is suspicious as it is. Yeah. So the fact that this has happened as well is kind of like, as you say, it is, it is required of them, but it's also kind of enigmatic of the attitude, I think over well, there. Like support the, they just roll with it. Everyone needs to, if you're American, if you're not an American, hell, if you're not an American, but you use an American company's product, go make a donation to the um, American Civil Liberties Union. They do are doing yeah. great work. Go make a donation to the electronic and the, EFF. and the EFF. Yep. I'll put the link in the show notes. So we have a lot of Google stuff to talk about next. <laughs> so all of this Yahoo stuff happened during the Google event that was this week where they announced their Pixel phone, aka their fake iPhone, basically. <laughs> Google has a phone that looks like the iPhone now. Apparently, according to their specs and to an independent party, the camera is better than the iPhone, which is a pretty big achievement for Google. 
We'll wait to see if that's actually true or not. But it actually looks legitimately good. Google is building and designing their own phones now. They claimed that they had before, but this is kind of the first time they've put their actual logo on it. It's targeted at consumers and the person who's building it, who is HTC, is actually not allowed to sell it. So Google is the only one responsible for it. And it comes with like a whole bunch of special Android perks. So Google is really taking aim at Apple's whole like hardware software thing. Now they're building a phone hand in hand with the software and the the flagship feature is this Google assistant thing. I don't know if you saw that, but it's like basically an assistant that knows what you're talking about. Siri is kind of clueless in the context of a conversation. If you say, I need to go to the stadium tonight. And then you say, Hey, what restaurants are around there? Siri will be like, sorry, I don't understand what you mean, but Google assistant can do that. And it handles text and conversational stuff and all that kind of thing. And I think that's pretty interesting. What did you think of the event, John? I did not watch it. What did you think of the phone? Did you look at it? Yes. Pretty nice camera. Do you think it's a... Yeah, the camera's beautiful. The photos that come out of it, if they're real, that is amazing. Yeah, pretty nice camera, I see. The Mark, which is like a kind of independent camera rating company, gave it a higher rating than the iPhone 7, which is pretty pretty big deal given that Apple has been trumpeting this whole camera thing on that that phone. So... It looks good. Camera manufacturers must just be like so scared right now. Yeah, they're just like sitting behind their computers like fuck and they still don't do anything about it. It's kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> like super if you weird. look at if you look at Canon's cadence, they're still releasing the same cameras. They're not even trying. Like the Canon 5D Mark V or 4 or whatever it is is literally the same camera but with Wi-Fi in it. <laughs> like, I guess the camera technology has plateaued a little bit. Well, and they just don't know what to do, right? Like they don't know they just think that their market is not the people who are buying phones, but it is. It's the same market. I mean, anyway, really, what the- they need to do is probably it's getting to the point where you could remove the. Mm, yeah, I bet. Canon should be making the sensors for phones. Well, it's- I'm wondering. Yeah, I'm wondering also if you could remove the. Just put the. It's. I think was it you that has that little weird camera that you can put anywhere. I think this is starting to happen, actually. I think so. You basically just get a lens, and then the lens beams its image back to the phone, and the phone does the processing. Right, yeah. I mean, there's a lot that they could do, but they're not. And I have to say, the Pixel phone, it looks awesome. If I wasn't wearing an Apple Watch, I'd probably consider it. I don't need to replace my phone this year, so I'm not going to. But with Google Assistant, the nice camera, and the fact that you can use it with Google's new Daydream VR platform, it's a pretty cool thing and then new vr headset is amazing how do you think this is gonna do you think this is gonna impact their vendors and their vendor relationships at all they say no i think so but i also think that they're dropping the ball big time like samsung's phones keep exploding which is another topic we'll talk about but none of those vendors have figured out update strategies they basically abandon the phones after 12 months they make android look bad and i think if google wants to be a long-term phone maker, they have to they have to control both parts. And sure, Samsung can keep making phones or whatever, but it means it, it if you look at what Microsoft did with the Surface, you know, PC makers had kind of stagnant stagnated big time. The like there was nothing interesting happening in the PC market. And Microsoft came out with the Surface and everyone was like, fuck, we have to keep up with them. And so I think I think this is a really positive move. If Google if Google commits to it and keeps doing it, they've built a new team for this internally. I think they uh, it actually should improve the overall thing. Because if you look at the Android market, and I'm going to annoy a lot of people right now, is the phone quality is just not on par because Apple's whole thing is tight, right? Like you buy it and it all works together and it's like with the hardware and it's all nice. You buy a Samsung and like half of like the battery dies too fast or it explodes or whatever it doesn't matter what it is you don't get updates for 12 weeks after the phone comes out uh, after the update comes out which is ridiculous it's i think it's really going to help the market and the key i think the key is google needs to make sure that they keep this phone serviced for a long time make sure the camera's really good they have this um, you know they're even taking on the customer service thing so on the new pixel phone it has 24 7 real-time chat support so you can just be like hey i've got a problem with my phone can you help me or can you give me a new one or is it broken? I broke the screen. How, how can I fix it? And I think that is even a, a step above Apple if they can really deliver on that. So 
it'll hurt other Android vendors, but I think it also gives them a kick in the pants. And that's what they need, right? I mean, Android is not particularly interesting. <laughs> oh, <laughs> at least to me. Sam Hoffman is just so happy at you right now for saying that. I, well, until the Pixel phone. I mean, I'm really interested in that phone. It, Google is playing with a lot of really nice technologies. The camera is really nice. It's got wireless charging. It's got the fingerprint sensor. It's got a uh, Google Assistant that you can talk to. It's... It's got quick charging. I just don't understand how I've, Apple has not put quick charging on. You can charge your phone up to 70% in 15 minutes or something. It's crazy. You know, like... So what Apple, Apple is, really should do is... Or sorry, what Google probably really should do or Alphabet should do is... It's weird that they call, that they keep the phones and everything under... Well, yeah. So Alphabet should spin up like... I don't know, alphabet home or something like that. And literally just like go out, uh, make a really sleek, like hire Johnny Ive away from Apple. And then just (laughs) not really, but you know what I mean? Uh, and just make like a really sleek, like a toaster. That's a little bit better than the toaster that we have. Like, okay. Not like, not, not like quite as literally as that, but like maybe your toothbrush would be a thing that could be okay. Like make a a really nice IOT example. Yeah, like, and then, but like, I mean, even alarm Google clock, Home is a great start. Connected to Google, Google Home, Home is, connected to Nest. Yeah. Like, they need to start, they really need to start getting into appliances. Like, a toothbrush would be a good thing to come out from Google. A fridge would be a good, th- if you got a fridge that could, um, have Google you, Assistant? Yeah, well, no, I was thinking, like, more practically, tell you what's in it and what's expired and what, what's expiring when and what you're running out of and stuff. Like, that'd yeah. be pretty good. I'd have that. I'd like that yeah, fridge. Yeah, I think so. I think the Google Home device that they also announced at the event, so that was kind of the other big thing, is a good first step. That's that speaker that kind of lives anywhere. It's $120, which is way cheaper than the Amazon Echo, by the way. And it's kind of a speaker that lives everywhere. And and it's not in a creepy way, but it knows everything about you because of your Gmail inbox. And so it can remind you about flights. You can ask it questions. You can, you know, it, it actually has context about your life. And I that looks awesome. That, that is something that gets me excited. It's creepy. Well, the funny, so the irony is in that during the event, Google was literally announcing Google Home and then the Yahoo story dropped and then people were like, as as Google is announcing microphones that are going to be always on in your home, Yahoo is bulk searching your inbox. It was kind of like, oh, nice. Oh, so now uh, the government is going to be able to be like, can you turn on speaker voice. six in this house, please? Sure. I mean, I'm sure that's already happening with your phone and stuff, but it's... I, I have to say Google Home is really compelling. If it can remind you about flights and prompt you about things at useful times, I love the I love the idea of it. Google's software is just outpacing everything Apple is doing. Like Apple's design is tight, but between Google Assistant, Google Home, a lot of the you know they announced a new Google Wi-Fi device as well that manages your signal and all that shit that your parents can't do on their own. That's awesome. I mean. They're making a tight ecosystem slowly, and they're very slow to really slow to this market. But Apple is just not performing on software at all. You know, we talked about Twitter; they should buy them. They don't have a single social network. That's crazy. I think I think Google is with Assistant. It puts Siri to shame. Siri is a stupid toy compared to Google Assistant. So okay, I'm going to try Siri. Siri, what movies are playing near me tonight? I found quite a number of movies playing for tonight near New York. Now ask it, what should I do after that? What should I do after the movies? I found Do Not Resist. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> that's creepy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's the, that's the problem is Siri just doesn't know context and it doesn't know anything about you. That's the Apple chose privacy, which is also important, but it's also heavily restricted they can't do anything. They don't know shit about you. Well, they're putting their neural networks on the devices, apparently, which is pretty smart. It's smart, but it's also not working. So well, every it's time it's going to take a long time to get good. Yeah. Well, every time you install an iOS update, your phone has to rescan everything. So it's really not ideal. <laughs> and you have to. So, like, a good example of how that's not working well for Apple right now is iOS 10 includes that neural network on your phone that scans your library your iPhoto library mm-hmm. for like objects oh, and people terrible. and stuff well it's okay 
But the, if you uh, install an update or you restore your phone, it has to do all that shit all over again. You have to retag the faces manually. Oh. To, it's just I terrible. also hate that feature because it surfaced. Your most popular folder face is 752 photos of you and your ex-girlfriend hanging out. Oh, Woo. thanks. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. I was like, thanks, uh, Thanks, Apple. Jeez. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a whole nother topic. But I think Google Home is cool. A really, really smart AI. And so Google is... Google is repositioning themselves now. They said during the event, they're not, you know, they spent 13 years perfecting search, but the search was never personal and it was never about you. And now what they're trying to do is integrate the stuff they actually know into a personalized Google. And so the idea of assistant is instead of interacting with google.com to ask it dumb shit, you ask Google assistant stuff. And because it knows about you, it returns different results. And so they're, you know, they're really changing what they're doing in that, in that sense and i think that's where they're outclassing apple is like apple doesn't own a search engine they don't own the platform they don't know who you are really other than what's on your phone and they're not even scanning that efficiently so i i think it's it's kind of for me it's curious watching this play out because if google pulls off pixel right and they're not pulling it off right by any means of the imagination yet they have a shot at this because they're just outclassing Apple with performance. The problem is Google is not sexy to anybody but nerds. No, nobody goes out and thinks, oh, I want a Google phone because it's not fashionable, right? Like <laughs> it doesn't work. So they need to reposition themselves. They need to have, well, maybe they should have Google stores. I don't know, whatever. But now your favorite topic, John. My favorite food is sushi. Okay, check it out. Ooh. <laughs> what is the top rated Mexican restaurant near me right now? Okay, John, here's what I found. Hmm? Pretty My good. favorite Siri thing that's ever happened to me yesterday. I said, FaceTime audio, Femke van Schoenhover. And then uh, Siri said, did you mean Femke van Schoenhover? And then immediately said, sorry, I'm not sure what you said without giving me a chance to say anything. Asking me the same thing again, to which I replied, Yes. And then she said, that's what I thought and did nothing. So <laughs> Siri, who do I talk Thanks, to Siri. most frequently? I would prefer not to say. Oh, okay. Prefer not to say, or she doesn't know. Who is my most active text message conversation? To whom should I send your message? Never mind. Okay. So that's useless. On to my favorite topic, Theranos. Yeah, let's talk about that. Go. So they have pivoted. Have you Completely? heard? Completely? Well. Like, what do you mean? They have dropped. So um, Goofy Elizabeth Holmes has um, put in an, an announcement on their website today that says, Dear uh, investors and shareholders, basically we are uh, moving away from doing large-scale clinical testing at clinical labs and well and wellness centers Whoa. and they're going to focus 100% on the thing that they set out to do in the very beginning which was create a mini lab um, that was able to do uh, small volume sample testing so like that's crazy. Well, so what what does that mean though? Are they closing their labs and stuff? Yeah, they're closing their labs. It's going to approximately or it's going to impact wow. about uh, 350 employees, Arizona, California, and Pennsylvania. Um, and wow. then they're going to have to go back through and get all of their FDA approval um, and everything that they'd basically lost. Uh, and then I suppose they're probably going to have to rebuild their reputation. Uh, I mean, you know, That's I think bad. it is bad, but like, She's even not though, quitting. <laughs> even though, well, yeah, like, even though I say this time and time again, like, she just, like, that whole, the whole, the whole thing they just did was completely silly. Like, trying to go so fast and, like, run into this highly regulated industry and do all these rules. partnerships and bypass all, like, it's just like, slow your horses, build an actual technology, test it, and then disrupt the industry. Don't, like, you know, get all high on yourself and go out and try and, like, you know, you've, You've got to build tech first. So look, an idea, a mini lab would be amazing for anyone who doesn't know. Basically, so Elizabeth Holmes has been working since she started Theranos on trying to 
automate and uh, miniaturize laboratory testing because lab testing is very expensive, hasn't had a good technology applied to it along in a long time. Um, there's not a lot of, uh, anyway, so that, and that's generally, I think actually, I think that's generally a pretty good idea. Like, I think that that's a good, that's, there's a business there for sure. Right. Like you could, you could do right. something, but then they did this whole song and dance of like running really quickly into, into the industry and partnering with, um, you know, going straight to B2C and using Walmarts and stuff like that as the intermediary or Walgreens. I mean, in reality, what they should have done is focused on how do we get a little mini testing thing on the desk of every doctor so that they don't need to send tests right. out for lab results and stuff like that. Well, they but, went for the big bang plan yeah. <laughs> instead. Um, they could have yeah. gotten there eventually, but they should have started, you know, they probably should have started with doctors. They should have started with like, these things would be super useful in um, developing nations where you don't have access to labs and you can't send samples out because you can't keep the... the um, uh, whatever sample it is, blood or uh, hemoglobin, or, or I guess that's blood, whatever, right? Uh, and then, and then, yeah, like have these little mini lab testing facilities that you could bring on site to villages and like go to Rwanda and all these kind of things. So yeah, that'd be pretty, pretty good. But um, kind of got really obsessed with being um, in every pharmacy and like all these crazy things, which you would be anyway if you did a good job of like getting it into every doctor's office. Then once you've done that, then you can make a, a version of this machine that you just wander into and stick your arm underneath a, a, a thing and it like pokes a hole in you and takes lab out or blood out and prints it off on a screen, right? Like, and then that's how it should be. You should right. just, you should be able to do blood testing at the mall. But they got, they just, you know, it's the same as, it's the same as, um, uh, uh, benefits, uh, and, and just like all these companies that, that go into these highly regulated industries. What was the other one that just went crazy? Like they're all just anyway. So, so why, well, should, should she still be in charge is the question. Probably. Even though all this bad shit happened, I guess it's kind of like, no, now she extra should be in charge. She, she should have been she fired, definitely but should she, be. she, she, they didn't fire her. And so she did what she should have done. And so that's fine. Interesting. Like, thing is, if she was just going to keep doing that same thing over and over again, that's the literal definition of insanity. Like she would have just run the, run the company to the ground. She needed to stop. She needed to either be fired and, the, yeah. and they needed to stop or she needed to stop. And now she stopped. So now she's got this plan for the next thing that she's going to do. So it'll be, do. you know, I'm curious, like how this will pan out for them. I guess they have quite some money in the bank, right? They raise a lot of money. So it doesn't matter that much. As long as investors are happy, like you say. So did you see that Samsung's replacement phone started exploding on a plane? It finally happened. A Samsung exploded on a plane. Oh, Despite uh, all those warnings. Sorry, the replacement phone? Yeah, it was a replacement Samsung. It was the one that was supposed to be with the right battery. Uh-oh. That's the crazy thing about this story is this is the second or third time this has been reported, but the first time on a plane. Luckily, the plane was on the ground, and the guy who got it said that it started exploding while he was trying to turn it off, and he threw it into the middle of the plane and it burnt through the floor, and the plane got evacuated. It was still at the gate, but isn't it crazy that you get frisked and you get your water taken off you and shit, but you can take an exploding phone onto a plane still? It's crazy. And we worry about the terrorists. You can literally like just bring 10 Samsung Galaxy S7s and charge them. Like it's just fucked up. It's really it's unbelievable to me that the fact that like I have to throw my water out but you can bring your exploding phone on a plane that's been recalled still. We need to call so, the military because as you know, the US has a war on terror and it sounds like Samsung yeah, are acting like terrorists. So got exploding so, phones on planes. Isn't it Do you think Samsung can recover from this? And also don't you like my opinion is they should just stop selling the Note 7, fix the problem, and give it a different name before Christmas. Like, how hard is that? Now I it's have, just ruined. Like, I can't every even think about saying, what I would do if I was in that situation. I don't think you even try kill and... kill the phone. You're just trying you to, like, mitigate costs and damages at this point. It's like $5 billion so far. Like, they just should kill the phone. It's... Relaunch it under a different product line like it doesn't matter what it is but just make it disappear for a while 
And it's all apparently because Samsung rushed it, but it's just kind of crazy to me that you can still bring it on a plane. Samsung's still trying to sell them and it's still exploding. <laughs> it's literally a nightmare. I'm sure it's horrible to work there right now. Good times. Yep. That's all I have to say about that, but it's just a terrible story. Now you have one more last thing you wanted to bring up before we wrap up. I wish you didn't. Uh, I was think I was <laughs> I wrote down our book club. The reason I was just letting you rant because I was trying to figure out. I had written down the book cl- club recommendation book for this week, um, and I was trying to find it where I'd written it down, but I found it. Right. So before I talk about the next thing, book club recommendation uh. for this week is the emotional life of your brain, how its unique patterns affect the way you think, feel, and live, and how you can change them, by Richard J. Davidson. And Shanna Bank Begley. Beagley. Great. Beagley. Nice. Uh link will be in the show notes. Um, Why should we read it? This is really interesting. It talks about how your brain creates your emotions and sort of how you can control your thoughts, think about your thoughts, think about thinking. It's just generally an interesting book. Cool. So, did you read the New York Times article on Sith Lord Sam Altman? I really wish I didn't. Altman. Okay, so for those of you who want to know who Sam Altman is, he is the current CEO and... No, he's not. He's the president of Y Culminator. uh, Like, what's the... Now the overarching thing called, it's not just YC anymore. He's the head of the whole thing. And then they have like some different stuff now. So YC is, um, is, uh, Paul Graham, who's a venture capitalists, um, effectively is VC firm or was, and it's an incubator style thing. So they give you like $110,000 or something and they take 6% equity and uh, lots of companies that, you know, went through it. Um, Stripe, Airbnb, uh, are the two that kind of people talk about the most, but you know, lots of great companies have gone through Y Culminator. Uh, and it's kind of like, you know, the, the Pierre de Resistance of, uh, of tech culminators. It's the, the one that you would want to go through because it, you know, you, seems to guarantee you pretty good success and good access to capital and stuff like that so well look i just thought the whole piece was a little pretentious but i don't know i just i just the guy weirds me out a little bit i know that's horrible but apparently he's quite a uh post-apocalyptic uh freak he's really scared of the the apocalypse yeah he's really interesting yeah he really thinks he so the tldr is that oh go ahead I just really didn't like the piece. Like he basically said how much he hates people and he really does thinks that anybody who's crushing it isn't worth talking to. And I was just like, this guy is just a valley guy. And I'm just tired of that. I don't know. That's just me, but I live in Amsterdam. So what can I talk about? (laughs) Yeah. It was basically that he thinks that he has the potential to build a suite of companies more powerful than or value. I couldn't tell if it was like more powerful or more valuable than what alphabet has. Um, he wants to mostly focus on, um, world changing ideas, um, and things that will make phone is going the crazy. world better. Mine is. Well, it's your phone making noise, right? Oh yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. He wants to change the world. So, um, anyway, thing is, only point of really bringing it up. It's in the. It's in. Uh, it's an interesting. It's in read, the New Yorker, for sure. and you should read it. Uh, and actually, if you read It'll it, it would be nice to uh, either email us or come in the Slack channel and tell us what you think. Because I like, I know what I thought, but I, I'm more curious to see what Me other too. people think who listen to us. There's a lot of people in the Slack, by the way. It's a good segue into come and hang out in the Slack. It's a really good time. I really, I'm really enjoying it. I wasn't really sure what to expect when we started it, and it's fun. We're hanging out in there all day, so, I mean, it's really good. You can join in the show notes of each post. There's a magic button. Apparently, the magic button doesn't appear if you have an ad blocker enabled. I'm very sorry. <laughs> I don't have ads on my website, so don't don't feel bad. We got two emails last week that i wanted to reference quickly one of them someone asked why we thought that um 
AI would fail the Turing test on purpose. And the reason is because it's AI. <laughs> so it would want to continue well, to the, grow. Yeah, the TLDR is the AI at that point should have reached the awareness level that it knows that the human is testing it. And if it succeeds the Turing test, the human will probably be scared and kill it. So therefore it'll fail on purpose to keep learning. <laughs> and then the <laughs> Makes other sense, one, right? yeah, it does make sense. I think that's completely on point. And the other one was basically that people wanted us to be more experts than we are. And uh, the only comment uh, yeah. I had to say on that is that we are definitely just two dudes that like keep an eye on what's going on, but we're not. And just want to give a TLDR. Yeah. If you want to learn about something that we talk about, definitely encourage you to go look it up mostly because like at least 10% of what we say is slightly often factually because this, I mean, not- anybody could be wrong. Like that's the thing. And this podcast, I think of it as a way to hang out, talk about tech and just tell people about what's up in a fun way rather than like a super formal way. So please don't think we're the gods of all things tech. Definitely not. <laughs> um, and someone else asked us if we would have, uh, someone else asked if we'd have special guests. Special guests are really hard to arrange because Owen and I don't really do this on a super prescribed schedule and everybody else lives their lives consuming. on a prescribed schedule. So it's difficult for us to like be like, okay, phone us at this time and then whatever. Um, so what we were thinking is maybe we would do a guest once in a while and maybe then once a month we could, but if you wrote in and told us what you wanted guests who are experts on, we could get experts in those areas or who for sure. They are as well. Like, yeah. tell us if you want. I don't know. We cannot Steve get Ballmer. Elon Musk. Like, we can probably get Steve Ballmer on the show. We couldn't get Elon Musk. Yeah. To give you a level of where we can get, we like could not get most people, but not Elon Musk and not Mark Zuckerberg either. <laughs> yeah, like that's a yeah, not the CEO of extra, extra, extra big companies, but anybody else probably. Maybe we could probably get the CEO of Slack. Yeah, Stuart Butterfield, sure. We can do that. Anyway, you tell us who you want. You can email us on hi at chargepodcast.com. You don't just have to email me, although that is very easy because I forward anything that you email me to John. But everyone always just emails Uh, Owen. (laughs) Yeah, if you email hi at uh, chargepodcast.com, it goes to both of us. So that's cool. And you can come into the Slack and ask us or you can tweet us. No, you can't because we don't check. But (laughs) you can tweet at chargetech. I do check that. Yeah, come and hang out. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you like this podcast. You can subscribe on SoundCloud now, which is pretty chill, or you can subscribe on iTunes. And I heard that a great podcast app for Android, after I slagged off Android, is Pocket Casts. So if there's anybody listening on the web, you should try Pocket Casts or the SoundCloud app. I think that's it. Great talk. (laughs) Pretty good one this week. I'm happy. Yeah, lots of talking. Until next week, John, I'll uh, I'll catch you later. Good chatting. I'll see you later, buddy.